Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey guys, today I have my new friend, speaker, author, and creative ninja, Jenny Randall, joining us. This episode will be quite a treat for you as she really gets those creative juices flowing and challenges the idea that some of us believe that we're not creative, but guess what? We're all creative. She has quite a diverse background from working in ministry to entertainment to publishing and creative industries. You name it, she's worked there and she's got a new book coming out. Courageous Creative, and it is currently available for pre-order. It's an interactive devotional that encourages others to understand their God-given identity, creativity, and purpose. You're going to find from this episode that we became fast friends and are truly soul sisters, and we end up cracking ourselves up. So I can't wait for you to dive in. I know you're going to find this conversation so encouraging and motivational. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Kelsey. I am so glad you're joining me today. I can't wait for our listeners to get to know you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Seriously, I know that we're going to have so much fun just talking about creativity and really getting our listeners' minds jogging, but I would love for you to start by sharing your story and how you got to where you are, what you're doing. Tell us all the things. Oh, man. All the things. Okay. So... Let's go, let's go way back, way back. Okay, so third grade, you're gonna laugh at me. I made my first film. And like <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, I will use that term loosely, right? Like it wasn't good. It was more of a hot mess, but I made my first film and like we showed it to our class and it was for our teacher to honor her because she was on maternity leave and she came back. So, anyways, we made this film and she was like getting emotional when it was supposed to be emotional and like laughing when it was supposed to be funny. And it was one of those moments that like mark your timeline of life. And it was like, man, whatever this is, like I love doing this. And as I grew older, it, I realized that I loved communicating through story. So I've kind of been on this long journey of figuring out, like, what does that look like using my God-given gifts and talents? Like, how can I tell story and how can I do that well? So for, for a while, I was actually a DJ, which was hilarious. Guess my DJ name. Oh, I, I can't even. Uh, how old were you? I don't know. What, what year was this? This was, oh, like, man. right college. Like, college. College Jenny. It's not very creative. <laughs> you got you you, you got to tell me because I can't even guess. I mean, it was just so I, I started as Sweet Basil, and then people were like, "That literally makes no sense." And then I was Jumpin' Jenny, which was so like not Jumpin creative. Jumpin' Jenny, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that so, is awesome. So I DJed, and that was fun telling stories that way. And then I studied television, which like for a college major is like the coolest major ever. Cause you yeah. just get to watch TV and be like, I'm studying mom and dad. I'm fine. I'm studying. <laughs> so I got to learn like how to communicate story through, through television. And then 60 of our graduating class, we all moved. This was in New York. We all moved cross country to California to work in the entertainment industry. And of course there you start as either like a PA or a receptionist. And I really at that point in my life really had a heart for video editing. Like I loved creating content with just like 
pounds and not pounds, but like hours of footage condensing that and communicating a story through like music and sound effects and the right pictures. So that was my end goal. But of course you have to start as like a receptionist or a PA. So I started as a receptionist in a production house and my job was amazing because my boss let me use the equipment like after hours. So I got to teach myself industry software and I was able to train myself in video editing. And then eventually I ended up working for a company called Blue Collar Productions where we did behind the scene featurettes and like how films are made. So I got to work on DVD content for like a lot of Paramount and DreamWorks and um, all those different studios. I got to work on films for that, like Shrek, behind the scenes of Madagascar. So that was so fun. And then my job sort of took me into, I continued to video edit, but but then I landed in ministry. So I was helping um, people launch a church and doing media ministry and kind of had my hands in both worlds. And then I found a man, my hot surfer boyfriend turned into my (laughs) husband. We got married and we had kids and then that landed us back here in New York. So now we're back in New York and we launched our own marketing firm a couple years ago and we've kind of been telling stories that way for influencers and clients and helping them get the word out. And also we run a ministry called Freedom Creatives where I do writing and speaking and that's that's my life story. That's where I'm at. Very cool. So one little nugget I picked up that wasn't by far the most important part of your story. I have so many questions. But 60 of your classmates moved to LA. Isn't that amazing? That's like, crazy. It was it was probably the easiest move that I've had. And then years later, seven years later, I moved two hours away. And that move was so much harder because I only knew one person in town. But let me tell you, man, moving with your friends, it was like, it was really impactful. With 60 of your friends, because when one's busy, there are a few that are going to be free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You know, college, it's like so fun. You just see your friends all the time. And we got to just extend that process a little bit longer. That is a blast. What a best case scenario. For sure. So you met your husband out in California? Yep. So was he in the creative space as well? He was a mechanical engineer, and we've recently retired him from that life, and now he does creative. Go, girl. Yeah, he does creative. He's he's like an engineer. Uh, He's super logical and like love numbers, but he loves creating stuff too, so... Launching our own stuff has been really healthy for him because he gets his hands like on both, you know? Absolutely. And y'all just did that in recent years after your move to Syracuse? Yep. That was two years ago. Wow. So tell me about working with your husband and did the ministry come before, after this? I want to hear how this, you know, process evolved. Yeah. So while he, his work environment was really unhealthy and this is actually like a hard part of the story. He he was really struggling with depression and and he talks about this. So I'm not like ratting him out in this moment. Um but his work environment was really hard and he would just like was really struggling and plus now he's in like 600 feet of snow, like he's not from yeah. this land. So there was just a lot of factors that went in um to him like coping with his depression and like it was just really hard. So we decided we have to get him out of the job he was in and we've we saw this marketing business flourishing and like I was at capacity we have two young kids like and I also in that process was trying to write a book because I felt like God called me to that so 
we took a risk. It was so scary. And we're like, all right, let's retire your engineering career. And he went down to half days for like a month and we could see, okay, this could actually be a thing that sustains our family and we could do it. So he transitioned out and it's been amazing. And, and I love it when people are like, well, how, how could you ever work with your husband? And I just laugh because it's like, aren't you friends with your husband? Like, <laughs> like it's great. The only rule we have is that I can't micromanage him. So it's been like, I've had to have some boundaries in my own mind. Like, okay, stop bossing him around. But totally it's been great. Valid. Totally valid. Totally <laughs> valid. And I think every dynamic, I don't know if my husband and I could work together. We are friends, but our work styles are so different. So I yeah. love that you guys can um, yeah, one, you know, I think I've heard in some interviews with you, you chat about the season of moving from California to New York. So I would love for you to kind of shed light on that transition. Your husband was a surfer, right? So moving to New York was probably pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. He, and you know, what's funny, Kelsey, like I, when I, in my single days, single and ready to mingle, I would like joke with God, like, God, I would just love like a smart, hot surfer. Like, and I don't know why, because I don't surf, but apparently, like, I don't know. And God gave me that. And I'm just something like, he is an answer to my prayers. Anyways, so yeah, <laughs> so we moved. Um, we had our, our son, Max, and he was just a baby. And we were feeling this this pull, like, we really want to be by our family. And his family was from San Diego and mine's here in New York. And we just prayed and kind of like he put his feelers out there for different jobs. And we landed here. And that transition, um, it was in the middle of winter. And or it was right before winter. But then it's like six months of snow and kind of getting the hang of that. And, and I didn't realize how much he connected to God in nature and like how surfing really was an into integratable part of his faith, like, and connecting with God in that way. And like talking through it later, like seeing how pulling him away from that was, was really impactful for him. Like in the negative, I, man, I, I don't know. So we've been trying to get him by waves here and there. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, I, I can imagine, you know, that shift moving to a new place without all of your friends, with different weather patterns, with no water. I definitely resonate with connecting um, to God through water. I can imagine that being pretty trying. Pretty trying. And and he's juggling um, a new place of business, like where he was working. And we had, we our kids are 18 months apart. So we were like in baby land for years and, and I was trying to juggle working. So there was just so much transition that happened at once that we looking back now, Oh, it's so obvious like that there's struggle going on. But when you're in it, you just are like surviving and you can't even really acknowledge like, Oh, maybe I'm really struggling with depression, but it's, it's been amazing to see him like come out of it and then look back and be like, Oh man, that like, we should have like gotten help sooner. Um, so I don't know. It, it was hard. And I mean, of course it comes and goes, but it's, I'm proud of him for like being open and talking about it. I think it's a conversation, especially in the church culture that, um, doesn't often get talked about. And I think it's like time to break that stigma and talk about the hard things because healing can come when you actually acknowledge the pain, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, man, if there's one line, one one liner from this episode, that's a good one. Healing can come when we acknowledge the pain and, and no one is, you know, 
going to go through life devoid of pain. So I think it's so important to be willing to face it and, and talk about it. Yeah. For sure. So did were you already running your marketing company out in California or did you make a cross country move and start that at the same time? <laughs> so I was working in the church world, still video editing. Um, so like doing that as a freelancer for the entertainment industry. And then I was also working as for a publishing company. I was the art director. So I was like juggling a lot of things. And then we moved and kind of had to reposition like where my focus was. So focused on the kids and the art directing thing. And then when we saw the potential of maybe we could run a business, why don't you why don't you test drive this marketing thing? And that actually started flourishing. We're like, all right, let's let's focus here. So Wow. I mean, that's a big shift. So you moved to New York, you start your marketing company. And when did the ministry come along? Because one thing I'd love to talk about is, you know, we both straddle this business and this ministry world and it can be challenging. So when did your ministry come along and what are you doing through that? Yeah. Oh man. Let me tell you, this is like such a story. I felt called. So maybe 15 years ago, I felt like God was like, um, felt called me to do speaking. And at that time, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like be, be a speaker. I don't know what that means. So I actually told one friend and that friend, innocent question. He said, why would you do that? And I took that as so many different things and what the context of it was. I took it as you're not good enough to do that. Who do you think you are to do that? Like there were so many, um, things that I put on that innocent question that, literally paralyzed me for 10 years from even moving forward in that God-given dream. And I just sat on it. And you know, with any dream, like if you see somebody else stepping out in it, you kind of start to be like, well, wait a minute, maybe I could do that too. Like it haunts you. It haunts you. So I had this dream haunting me for 10 years, like in a good way, but I was just like neglectful of it because I was so paralyzed in fear. And then I started being like, well, what would it look like if I actually started talking about it? So I started talking about it with a, a best friend and she was like, you totally should do that. And she believed in my dream and actually sent me to a writer speaker conference. She like paid my way to go to this conference and it was so life-changing for me and gave me the skills and abilities to like start actually believing that maybe I could do this because God has called me to it. And then, so from there, I just launched into speaking maybe five years ago and um, I would help churches and talk about creativity and our creative process and finding freedom in that, which is so funny as I'm finding freedom in my speaking, right? And just trying to equip believers in and empower them in their creative nature and that to use their story and to tell their story. And then from there came a book, which is so crazy. So this is maybe in the five, last five years that I've stepped into ministry and we officially like have a name now and like have been starting moving towards the nonprofit sector of it within the okay. last year. Okay. Yeah. That's a big move. Yeah. So tell us about your book and your journey with that, because I think it's a really, um, unique story. I think it's encouraging to people to hear, you know, the trajectory that you've been on with your book. And then I, you know, once you kind of share that, I have a few good questions because I think it's, it's just really encouraging. Okay, for sure. Yeah. So I woke up one morning in the summer and I remember I was taking my young kids outside and they were playing in the sprinkler. And I literally felt like God is like, Google New Jersey conference. 
And I'm like, okay. So I'm Googling and this conference came up with really well-known speakers and like, but there was an element to the conference that was about, um, it had like a breakout for creatives. And I felt like God was like, you need to find the event coordinator and pitch him an idea. So I figured out who the event coordinator was and wrote him an email like, listen, um, if you have a spot open for a breakout session, I'd love to host and talk about our creative nature and like how we can continue to use that for Christ. And so I pitched him this idea and he wrote back and he said, the per- the original person that was supposed to be speaking just canceled. You literally pitched the same idea. Let's do this. And like in wow. that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like God. And God told me in this whole process of like stepping into speaking and ministry, he's like, it only takes one person in the right position of influence to believe in your calling. And that's what this was. And so he believed in in this. And so he brought me out and I did the the breakout session and it was so encouraging people's response. And then I felt like God was like, okay, now turn this, this speech. Cause you know, you have an outline, you have structure, you have your main points. He's like, turn that into a book. So I self-published a book from that speech called 31 Day Create. And then that book transformed into a traditionally published book, which is the one that's coming out soon called Courageous Creative. Wow. So, so you went ahead and you self-published. Tell us about that journey because I think sometimes, you know, it can be discouraging. It can be stressful. It can be scary to release your work into the world. And some people say, I'm only going the traditional route. But if we believe we have a message to get into the world, you know, self-publishing is equally valid. Do you have a preference? I I would just kind of love to hear about how you've navigated that as well. Yeah. So, so I started writing and crying a lot because it was, it's hard for me to write. I I prefer speaking. (laughs) And so I was writing and God kept convicting me like, you're really sucking the joy out of this process. Like it could be a fun process. So we were working through it. It's fine. So I, I wrote and, um, I ended up meeting with a speaker mentor of mine. And at that point, I just had the capacity in my mind to be like, okay, all I'm going to do is just self-publish because because of my background in the publishing space, we I worked with churches that would publish books. So because of that background, I kind of know like how to do interior. I have the skills to do design and I know an editor. So I kind of said in my mind, I'm like, that's what I'll do. And as I talked with the speaking mentor, she was like, you know, I, I really believe that this could be traditionally published. And the benefit of that is greater distribution uh, in bookstores and really like they could really help you leverage this message. And of course, there's professionals um, that help you as well in in the whole process. So she said that and she's like, but just pray about it. And I prayed about it. And and it, it, you know how a dream sometimes it's too heavy where it like paralyzes you from moving? Apparently this is the story of my life because this is all I'm talking about. <laughs> Did, have that ever happened to you, Kelsey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it 100%. was too big. It was like too big. Like don't, like I can dream. I have enough dreaming in like this little space. I can't. So I kind of was like, I'm not, I, I don't know. I can't traditionally publish. It was too much because then you have to find an agent and you have to do all this stuff. And I don't know how to do that. So I'll just, so, and I actually felt peace about it. Like I'll just self-publish. This will be great. So I moved in that direction and, um, I, I did the, I paid somebody to do the interior design, um, cause they knew the software that was needed. And I was able to cast vision into that. I designed the front cover and then had a theological editor and a regular editor. I had the theological 
theological editor for safety purposes in my own like process. I wanted to make sure I wasn't messing it up. Yeah. Um, so we went through all that. And then literally the day before it was last summer, the day before the book came out, um, I grabbed the book, I packed my bags, and I went to another speaker writer conference where I had an opportunity to meet with different agents, literary agents, and publishing companies. And with book in hand, I literally shoved it into everybody's hands that would take it. And the response from that book being in print and then being able to thumb through it like opened up the deal to get a literary agent. It opened up opportunity to get to get traditionally published. So if I hadn't had that physical book in my hand to show them, because it's a unique concept, like they had to visually see it to understand the concept and like really connect with it. So that's like the, the route God took me on, like looking back, Oh, it all makes sense. But in the midst of it, like, I don't know, like it was so scary and I didn't know that it would end this way. And it's like, just God opening doors even far greater than I could even imagine. It's been crazy. It is a beautiful book. So I can see why this concept was hard to, you know, translate without a hard copy. I mean, it is so beautiful. And I'm really excited to see, you know, the new version of that that you've got coming. So what was kind of your heart behind this, you know, book, this devotional? I would love for you to kind of share with the audience, you know, exactly what your goal is for people to get out of it. Because I think one thing I've heard you talk about is a lot of people don't realize they're creative. And I, I, I tend to totally align with you in the sense that we're all creative. So I would just kind of love for you to share your heart about it. Oh man. Yeah. So the book's called Courageous Creative and it, it's really, the goal is to dismantle the risk of like creating with God. And, and it just shares, it takes you through the foundation of creativity. And like you're saying, we're all created to create. I believe wholeheartedly in that, like we are created by a God who designed the universe. Like you cannot, you cannot surf in the waves and not believe that there's a creative God behind it, you know? So that same God breathed life in, into us and we have that creative nature inside of us. And there's a study out there that says as we grow older, our creativity decreases. And the reason behind that is a lot of reasons. I call them creativity killers. So the second act of my book talks about all the things that kill our creativity, like perfectionism, people-pleasing, fear, which is kind of something we tackled on earlier today or earlier in this conversation. So there's a lot of different things that kill our creative nature. And then the third part of the book is kind of releasing you in that creativity and, and being like, okay, go do it. And I, and I love this book because I'm huge on like taking action. Like, don't just say you're going to do something, actually do it. So in this book, I'm laughing because I'm excited for the next part. In this book, there's different creative challenges. <laughs> so I challenge everybody every day. So there's 31 creative challenges in Courageous Creative and, and like a writing challenge or, um, a drawing challenge, different challenges to really, even photography, different challenges to really get you actually seeing, okay, I can be creative. And this is the, and it kind of releases you in that. And I have a creative challenge I like to give to podcast hosts if you're up for it. Oh, hit me. I feel like you're so up for it because you're a seven, right? You're a seven. <laughs> yeah. I'll do anything. You I have do. no shame. <laughs> no shame in your game, girl. No, okay. girl. I'm excited. Okay, so I'm going to give you a creative challenge, and I know you're going to be so good at it, but I want you <laughs> to freestyle rap 
literally whatever is on your mind in this moment, I want you to just like totally go for it. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, is it is it okay that um, Bonquiqui's um, Mad TV skit came right into my head? Because I can wrap that in a I, heartbeat. I feel like, like on the mic is a queen. So listen to me sing. I want a supersize number three onion ring. Okay. No, but I do have a freestyle rap that I made up for my husband when he was a barista. No. So, let's hear oh, it. I rap all the time. I oh, mean, girl. We're like. My husband and I, mm-hmm. we're soul sisters. My yeah. husband and I have very long, detailed discussions dissecting rap albums. I mean, this is like. Wow. His heart and soul. I've I've had to adapt. While I do love music, his um, ability to discuss music, particularly rap music, is next level. It is unmatched. So it has yeah. become part of. Um, it has become the main conversation piece of our life. So I'm not afraid to rap. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear your husband's rap. I feel like. Oh, oh man, his barista I mean, rap. Okay. Okay. Let's see. I was captivated by a guy named David. No, all the mother boys be overrated because only David's got my soul caffeinated. I can't remember <laughs> what it is. It was, it was really that he was a barista and, you know, I was trying to be cool and I have no shame. So there it is. I feel like, did you guys like perform that at your wedding? Because I feel like it's only logical to do that. I think we considered it because we're both funny, but we are not performers. Like something changes if I get on stage to speak, but it's not like, um, I want the stage to speak. So I, I, I can shift into a mode, but like I have never been a performer, a singer, and a play person, a, an actor, <laughs> clearly. A play, a, a play person. A play person. I was doing stagecraft. Like I was building the creative aspects of how the stage looked. So, yeah, awesome. we, did, we decided to not perform that at our wedding because that would have been fun but stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you're like saying I do. Meanwhile, in the in your back of your mind, you're like panicking. Oh no, I got to yeah. do a rap next. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. No, I was not going to put myself in that position. Yeah. Because while my friends have definitely heard my songs, I've been known to sing like in public since I was a child. Like I just don't care. All my friends know. I remember in in high school. A friend looking at me, or no, college, this was college, as I was, you know, dating. And she was like, you know, I really hope that you end up with someone that appreciates your singing. Because I, I think I'd had someone that had told me to stop singing. It's very oh. off-key. I sing all the time. It's just fun. I mean, yeah. I remember my cousins tell this story of me standing in the grocery store singing at the top of my lungs. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. <laughs> I, I mean, it is in me, but it it is in no way beautiful. It is joyful. It is not beautiful. Yeah, but I love that you still do it, even though it might not be the prettiest. But And that's the thing with our creative nature. Like, as a child, that's something that made you come alive and, like, you <laughs> loved it. But you kept to steward, you kept stewarding that as an adult. And I think that's amazing because a lot yeah. of times we'll be like, oh, I'm not good at that even though it brings me joy and maybe even in the process it glorifies God, we shelf it because we're so, because it's not perfect. And yeah, I don't think we're, we're like meant to live that way. Ooh, I think that's good. So tell us more about that. That line stood out to me. We shelf it because it's not perfect. How do you see this crippling creatives 
Um, and just people, everyone's creative. And how do you see this crippling people from stepping into what could be? Yeah, I, I think when we hold this mentality that it needs to be perfect, it actually stops us from even starting mm-hmm. be- because we'll hold on to this vision. Well, it's going to look this way. It has to look this way. And then a lot of creatives, and sorry if I'm stereotyping, but we tend to be procrastinators. Are you a procrastinator? And it depends on, it depends. You know, it yeah. just depends on whatever facet. Some things I'm so ahead of the game, but then that makes me really behind on this. The one thing I turn a two hour project into a 42 hour project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I'll, I'll have things looming over my head and I won't even start cause I, cause I know it's not going to be perfect and mm-hmm. I'll have to really analyze and be self-aware like, okay, why, what's holding me back from even starting this creative thing that I feel called to do. And it's because I have such fear that it's not going to live up to the standards I have set for myself, which who even cares? Because a lot of the times in the creative process, when you actually start doing it, it, that's when it like starts actually taking shape. And like, that's when you can really work out the kinks of what it's actually supposed to look like. So the biggest advice I have for creatives is just start doing and then see, see what is to come. Yeah, and, and release it into the world and perfect it later. Like, yeah. oh, you, you might appreciate this. Uh, my husband and I often talk about, which, you know, aside from his crazy beliefs that I do not align with, but we, we talk about Kanye's creative process because, you know, he released an album, The Life of Pablo. It was unfinished. He released it on Spotify unfinished and got a lot of flack of it not being well done, but he did that purposefully Mm. and then let his audience watch him release updated versions of each song over the course of the year. So we saw his refining process. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't, I can't believe I didn't even know that. That is like, that's really powerful. And that, and two, that gives like the everyday person permission to be like, okay, well, Kanye doesn't have it perfect. Like he's, he doesn't, right. you know, and like, wow, I love that. Well, we to show consumers that there's a process with creativity. There's a constantly refined. There's a process. And two, we do marketing for a lot of influencers who like run courses and different platforms in, in that arena. And a lot of times we'll release courses even to see if it connects with the audience before it's even finalized, just to be like, okay, are people responsive? And is this the message that they need in this season? And when it is responsive, we're like, okay, let's build the rest of this out because yes. y- you have to test the market too and like see, yeah, man, we could t- I love talking about this kind of stuff. It is so fun. I release my courses, you know, a little bit undone. Um, I put everything I want to put in there, but then as my audience asks for different topics, cool, I'll plan a filming day for the next quarter and we'll add in those modules. That's fine. Like yeah. everything is always evolving and tweaking and refining. And I think that's the creative process, but I think, um, you know, a large percentage of people actually think that anyone's art is perfect when it's fully released. Therefore they're crippled from ever beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So what have been some of your favorite stories of people kind of stepping into their creativity without knowing they were creative? Oh my goodness. There's been like, I'll get, people will email me their stories and it just makes me cry my face off because 15 years ago, I was so scared to step into this whole speaking writing thing and to see God use it to help others step into their creative nature. Like it's just blown my mind. So there was this one guy who I met at a film festival and he felt called to be an actor. 
And we were kind of talking about um, the things that kill our creativity. And a lot of times rules and regulations or even words or labels that have been spoken over you. So he, he started sharing that his dad and his intention was kind, but his dad said, why would you do acting? Because, you know, actors are a dime a dozen. So as what I did with my friend, he kind of twisted those words as like, you're in- insignificant, like you don't have what it takes. And it was really crippling him to, to move forward in that. And we were able to pray over him and just the fact that he could put words to what was holding him back in actually pursuing his acting calling, like it was so powerful. And he emailed me later and he's like, thank you so much. And he, he got the guts and felt fueled to actually start like reversing the lies that he had built up in his own head. And he started taking action. Wow. That is powerful. I think, yeah. a, I think a lot of our, um, limiting beliefs stem back to childhood of, or, or to just earlier in life of when someone said one minor thing and we, we believed it. And then so many, um, situations come along in life to reinforce that one lie so that it really keeps us held back from stepping into, you know, the fullness of the life. You know, maybe that one facet of creativity doesn't change like the entirety of your life, but it, it, it could be contributing to a more full life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so true. And, and there was another guy too, who, who told me he, he wanted to release an album like music into the world. And he actually started writing and he was creating songs and recording them and it was coming along. But then he got so nervous that people were going to hear his story. And he was so like, he felt shame around it because he he was in process, right? We're all in process of figuring out who we are and what that looks like. And he was in this process and shame started to creep in that like, his story wasn't important and everyone's going to be judging this. And he started having all those lies coming at him and he ended up learning like, okay, this is my God given creative nature. Like these are the things that are holding me back. And he, he actually did it and he released the album and I got to hear it and it is powerful. And not only like his obedience and releasing that album into the world, it like, is impacting everybody that listens to it because it is a powerful story through his songs that he chose to share. So, man, it uh, the creativity that we have inside of us is like the greatest weapon that we can carry because it influences culture. So if we can always be self-aware, like what is holding us back and how we can overcome it, I think that's huge. Wow. I... I I love those stories because I think our listeners are going to be able to relate of saying, I'm scared. I'm scared to showcase the other parts of me. I have one of my friends who is insanely creative and she'll say the same thing, but I don't want to get personal. I don't want to share my story. And I'm like, no, the people want your story. Give the people what they want. Um, That's what it's your essence that really highlights, you know, the creative process and, and the why behind what you're doing. So what would be your heart for Courageous Creative to accomplish in the hearts and lives of your readers? Freedom. For sure, freedom. I I was praying to God and, and when we were stepping into this nonprofit thing, and he kept saying, what do you want creatives to walk away with? And I'm like, obviously freedom. Because when you can feel this freedom to like express yourself, And when you can feel the freedom of even the hard parts of your story, finding the redemptive part of that story, and then being able to express that when you can see that freedom, like that speaks 
and that influences, and that is so powerful. So if this resource, I kind of joke, but it's true. It's like a discipleship guide through creativity. <laughs> and and if people can grab a hold of, of Courageous Creative and actually apply what they're learning and do the challenges to like stir that creative process, because you have to be intentional to stretch your creativity. It's like, you know, uh, stretching a muscle. You have to be intentional to do something creative every day so you can continue to grow in that. So if, if Courageous Creative can equip people to walk out in their creative freedom and be able to find their voice and express themselves, that's like my prayer and, and that's my goal. That's what I want for people. Well, I'm really excited because I know there will be some um, testimonies from what this book accomplishes and in the lives of your readers, and I obviously know you already have those. So that that is so cool. So tell us about some of your favorite creative exercises because I've heard you even talk about how you do this at home with your kids. I think they're so fun. It's and it's really inspiring, and it makes me think about how I'll parent and how I'll talk about the creative process. You know, especially since my husband and I are both in the creative space. I, I just love hearing you talk about it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We we try to stretch our creativity as a family every day. Sometimes it looks like dance parties, which the other day, my daughter, she's five. She just had her birthday. She turned five. She danced for an hour straight. We created like this this dance jam mix and she just went to town and I just loved sitting <laughs> sitting there and watching her like have so much joy. I feel like that's how God looks at us when we create. He just watches us have the joy of what it's like to express ourselves. So so yeah, we do dance parties. Ooh, we do the sound effects game. I feel like you would be good at this game. Do you want to play it? Do we have time? Uh, yeah, let's do it, girl. Okay, okay. Oh, you're up for every anything. This is like, <laughs> let's be besties because you can be the friend that does all the crazy stuff. So, okay. Okay. Um, sound effects game. So I'm going to give you a word and you just, and the people that are listening can do it too because it's so funny. You just have to make that sound with your mouth. Super easy. Okay, hit me. Okay, make the sound of a garbage truck. Beep, Because <laughs> it's backing up. Yeah, no, I got that. That was good. That was creative. See, I was like looking outside and saw a garbage truck. I'm like, I wonder what she's going to do with that. That was good. Okay. Loading zone. Loading zone. <laughs> make the sound of what it sounds like at night when everything's kind of quiet, but there's creepy stuff going on. Gosh, maybe the only thing I could probably like sound out is the wind. So, oh yeah, because here in Colorado, we have a windy season and it's crazy. So it's like, like it's windy and whistling. Wow, that was impressive. Okay, but but here's the thing. Okay, stop giving disclaimers at the end because we know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, So you got this because it, it, and I do this um, identity challenge with people where it's like, say who you were and who you want to be anyways. But the rule is you can't give disclaimers because we have to just, we have to to settle, we have to settle in, be comfortable just releasing it and then let it go. That's good. Okay, next one. Let's do another one. Um, two guys fighting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that was good. That was great. That was good. All right, let's it's end. It's so hard. It's hard. I know. Let's. It's and hard I'm not, not doing. Give a disclaimer. I know. Well, that that's how I feel about every creative stuff I release into the world. I just want to be like, Ugh. okay. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I'm looking around for inspiration. How about the sound of a cat jumping off a... No, no, no. The sound of a monkey jumping around the jungle? Question mark. You made this sound like going high and low. I love that. Yeah. That was good. That was good. My biggest takeaway from those exercises was the deep need to feel understood and to provide a disclaimer because I think as creatives, it's so vulnerable that we want to make sure the world understands exactly what we're doing. But part of releasing art is giving room for the possibility of being misunderstood. Yeah. And being comfortable enough that when you are misunderstood, you're going to be okay. Ooh, so what's your advice to someone who's scared of being misunderstood? Oh, um, I, I think I think it's just being self-aware. I, I mean, this is identity stuff. This is core identity stuff, right? Like, if you're, you have to be comfortable in knowing who God created you to be, that so comfortable that when you fail... Or when you release stuff in the world and people don't understand it. Or even when you succeed, that that's not the stuff that defines you. The stuff that defines you is who God says who you are and your worth and your value. And that's what our identity needs to be based on. Not, not even the things you create or the things you push out in the world, but rather who he's called you to be, who, who he says you are and the promises that you carry, you know? Man. Yeah, that's good. So do you often work with people in the creative process Process, and, you know, almost always loop back around to identity? Yeah, yeah. We, we did. I, I kind of alluded to this when we were just doing those challenges, but we do this one creative challenge that's you have to go pray and you have to, and this is actually in the book, Courageous Creative. You have to fill in the blank. I was blank. I am blank. And you have to ask God, okay, what are the lies that I'm holding on to over here? Not saying you actually were those things, but what are the things that, that are negative labels that are on yourself? And then, but what does God say about them? So we'll do that in a group. And my rule is you cannot give a disclaimer. And wow. the last time I gave this, this workshop in a group, I, God actually convicted me. And my word was, I was insecure, but I am secure in Christ. And I wanted to give a disclaimer so bad. Like, you guys, this is why I feel insecure. Don't think I feel insecure because of this, but but no, I'm insecure because of that. Like, you know what I mean? I wanted to disclaimer yeah. that so bad. But having the no disclaimer rule really just gave freedom to be like, okay, it's not even really about me. It's about it's about God. So like letting go of those disclaimers and just being comfortable enough to be so uncomfortable to actually say it and then just give it space was really powerful. I am really interested, curious. I don't know what the right words are, but that that's really cool. That really piques my interest. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah. And but we did, I will say this. We do have we after we do that in a big group, we'll have breakout sessions where people can go get prayer and like talk about what led them to that process of saying I felt like this and now I am this. So we do have that space of like let's work through it together and we're going to pray for you. So we do have that opportunity. But when you say it the first time, it's like no disclaimers because you're going to be okay. (laughs) That's awesome. So what do you have? Tell us about what you have coming down the pipes this year. Your book's coming out next month. Um, Tell us what's next. What's, what's going, what's ahead? Yeah, well, I have another book idea I'm 
toying with in my mind. So I might be working on that. And then just always speaking. I go do speaking opportunities and help train up creatives and leaders and people of that nature. So I, I'm always looking to partner with like conferences and things in, in that vein. So I, that's really where I love. I love just being able to hang out with people and just talk like we're talking today, man. This stuff gets me so pumped up. And yeah, so that's the stuff I'm focusing on now in our marketing business. I mean, that's always, we're always plugging away on that. But That's <laughs> awesome. Um, have you found that, you know, having a business while doing ministry, this is a conversation I actually love to have, but it's not as frequent as I, you know, wish. But do you love having a business that allows you to do ministry with kind of total freedom? Yes, 100%. And too, my husband now, because he retired engineering, like we're doing it together and we're juggling the kids together. And it's not like the success of, of our family rides on the boat. Like we're in partnership, you know, and, and we're doing this together. And yeah, I always say like we, we have our marketing business so we can do ministry. And yeah. we, we love the clients we work with for marketing and like they're, and I learn so much every day. So being and helping them get their message out there has been so instrumental in the things I get to do. And it's just, it's been really powerful and, and fun juggling the both. So one last question. Um, have you found this kind of piggybacks on having a business that funds your ministry? Have you found that having an income outside of your creative release um, gives you freedom to create more openly. One book that I absolutely loved was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talked about, you know, not demanding her, not demanding her art to make her money. And I found that, you know, my, my business allows me to write a book proposal and not say, I've got to get this into every agent and every publisher's hands because I've got to make money right now. You know, it allows me to kind of move a little bit more slowly and create what I truly want to create. And I've been really thankful to have a business that funds my creative endeavors. Do you, do you find that when people don't rush their creativity to make them money, it's better? Yeah. For me, I found that to be the case because um, I feel like when I'm in process of like releasing stuff or like working through like what's the next thing, the creative adventure I want to go on and like what is God calling me to, I feel like just, yeah, ha not having that pressure of I got to make us millions because of this, like it, it's really freed me up. The, the hardest part in doing the both is actually time management. Oh, yeah. For sure. I'm so glad we've gotten to talk and have this conversation. I think your book is literally going to impact so many people. Um, and I'm really excited for what it does for humanity. <laughs> that sounds like a very broad sweeping statement, but, <laughs> but I really am excited. So tell everyone how they can find you um, and how they can work with you online. Uh, yeah, my website is JennyRandall.com, and Randall is spelled like candle, so don't forget that. And then um, uh, I have resources on there and creative stuff and marketing things, you know, melding both worlds. And then I love Instagram. Um, I'm on there, so maybe we can link to that. And then I have a Facebook page and things of that nature. It has been such a joy. We'll link you up for everyone to find you and a direct link to your book. And it has seriously been a blast to have you on here. Thank you so much, Jenny. I'm walking away feeling so inspired and encouraged in my own creative endeavors. 
Well, Kelsey, I appreciate you and all you're doing and all the wisdom you bring into this creative community and the business community as well. So thank you for serving your community so well and so honorably. Oh, thank you. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Skiing, riding, sledding. No matter how you Vermont, please Vermont safely. Cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, snowman building. This year, that means a seven-day home quarantine with a negative COVID-19 test or other travel guidelines. Ice skating, ice cream eating. So we can all Vermont safely this year. Dining, antiquing, shopping, fireside napping. For full COVID-19 travel guidance, visit vermontvacation.com. Save your most important documents and photos in the cloud. A Microsoft 365 subscription gives you a full terabyte of secure OneDrive storage, plus an added layer of protection with OneDrive Personal Vault. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash photos.